I am really, really excited to jump in today to our series, uh, Fill This House. We're wrapping it up today in part three of this series, and we're looking at uh, our desire and our prayer of what we want God to fill our house with. And so we've look, been looking at two different houses. Today we'll, we'll talk about the third and last and final house. But uh, just to catch you up real quick, in week one we talked about how we want God to fill our house, as in our Savior's church, our church house, and how we want God to fill our house with broken people, and how we want God to fill our house with people who will do anything to help broken people. And we want God's presence in our house. And that is a prayer that we pray every weekend, that God would fill our house with people. And how many know, if you look around, God is answering that prayer. <clears throat> Some of you are sitting next to somebody right now. You didn't want to, and that's okay though. <laughs> Jesus knew you, they needed you. And so they're right beside you. And then last week I talked about how does God fill our house, speaking of us as, as uh, individuals, that we are God's house. And, um, and so I talked about this idea that we take God on the go with us. And what do we need to be praying that God fills our house with? With clarity and with conviction that we pray that God fills our house with Christ uh, more than anything. And then today we're talking about your house. And so we're actually talking about your actual home and what we want God to fill your home and my home with. And so I thought, I, I, I talked to Lindsay this week and I said, I think it would be great if people hear from you. And so only three of them want to hear from you, babe. But it was a, I thought it would be good three. for them it to hear from three. you. Okay, just so, uh, so I've invited my beautiful bride, if you don't know, this is Lindsay. We have been married now for 15 years. She is... We're getting old. We are getting old. And uh, she's stuck with me for this long. And so uh, we're going to share a little bit of, uh, kind of give you an inside look into our home. Scoot this chair up. ourselves a little bit. We'll, we'll embarrass. We'll get real. We'll get raw. And, uh, and welcome you into the belt home a little bit. Um, as many of you know, our family's a little crazy. If you haven't uh, been on Facebook at all, we're not too scared to to share uh, some of our funny moments, and we'll share some more with you in just a little bit. But before we get started, let's pray, and let's invite God to come and, and uh, have his way in the service. Father, we love you. God, thank you so much, uh, Lord, for the opportunity we have today to, to gather as your people. And Lord, we ask you to speak through us, uh, that we would get out of the way and let your word do what it does. And so, God, come have your way today in this place. We love you. And uh, God, give the saints a winning season this year. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. I mean, no, Obviously, we need to, there's a game today. Well, no, it's not today, oh, okay. but we need to pray for them. And so, how many of you remember the, the very first house you ever bought? How many of you in here remember your first house? Your very first house. How many of you remember, if you were like us, we just got... When we first got married, we got our very first house. And how do you remember? I don't know if you were like us. We didn't have any furniture when we first bought our house. Yeah. Everything was borrowed, stolen, everything, everything, <laughs> everything. My, gra my great-grandmother was actually in the nursing home. We went to her house and took all of her stuff. They told us we could. And since we had nothing, we took everything. Yes, we did take everything. We tried to take her mattress, but her mattress was so old. It had so much dead skin and stuff inside <laughs> It was heavy to oh, was move. That, it was three people. Was that people. too much? I'm yeah. sorry. So, so we, we splurged on a mattress. <laughs> yeah, we did splurge on a mattress, but everything. And, and there's even things in our house even now that are still from there, from TVs to dining room tables. Uh, if, we could, if, we could, if it could fit in the U-Haul, we took it. And so that was our first home. And then, of course, over the years, as we've grown and had more kids, our house is filled with more and more things. And now we're in a different home. 
Uh, and that house, of course, is filled with more and more things. And, you know, we often fill our homes with a lot of great things. And uh, we fill our homes with great furniture and great stuff. But uh, how many know we want to make sure we fill our homes with the right things? And we can often, uh, even as Christians, assume that just because we're Christians that our homes are filled with the right things. But just because you're Christian doesn't mean your home's filled with the right stuff. And so this message today is really just about us making sure that we fill our homes with the right things. And so we're going to share a lot about that. I don't know about if, if this is the case for you in your home. In our home, Lindsay and I control the thermostat. Anybody in here, you control, any controller, thermostat controllers? How many of your kids want to control the thermostat? Um, how many of your kids control the thermostat? You wouldn't be able to afford your bill. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so at nighttime, when we tell our boys to go, go home, I mean, go home. <laughs> we get tired of them and say, go home. Go to grandma's. And so when we tell them to go to bed, it's funny because at nighttime, we always, we always laugh because there's a comedian that talks about this. Like when, when it's bedtime, it's like a hostage negotiation system when it, in reverse where you're trying to just like, just go to bed. Just get to, when kids, when you tell them to go to bed, how do you know that's when they play together? That's when everything goes well. They're running all over the place. It's dance party time. I mean, it's just all of that at our house. And so, of course, they get into bed. We get them all tucked in. We pray for them, close the door. We get in our bed, and then all of a sudden you hear, Mom, I'm hot. And so they know, though, that they have to ask. They can't just come and just start putting things. My house would be at 60 if it was up to them. And, uh, and so they know that they've got to ask us in order to drop down the, so I usually would just, shh, I, well, let me, this, I'm in church. So what I, I normally will say. No, it's, if you stop moving around and stop talking, then you'll cool down because <laughs> it's usually already. Working. It is. It's, it's a little crazy. And then my boys have bunk beds. So Judah's at the top and you know, heat rises. So he's like, I'm so hot and sweating up here. Like, you're like five feet higher. Anyways. So our house is like that, but it got me thinking when I was thinking about this, that just as, just as Lindsay and I control the thermostat in our home, how many know we also control the climate of our home? And so if you want to take some notes, I want you to just write that down, because I think that's a really big point today, is that you control the climate of your home. That whether you're the parent or maybe you're not, maybe you're a teenager that's in here as well, everybody in here has a, has a chance to control the climate of the home. And it, there's a difference between being a thermostat and a, and a thermometer, if you've ever heard of this analogy. Uh, a thermometer responds to the environment. It tells you what the, it reads it, what the environment, it's 60 degrees here, it's 75, it's 122 because we're in Louisiana. It's, it's high. But a thermostat, though, controls the environment. And God has called you and I, as followers of him, to control environments, to change environments. That when we walk into an environment, whether it's your home, or whether it's your office, or whether it's your neighborhood, or whether it's your school. How many know, as Christians, because we bring God with us, how many know we can change the environment? We bring God right into any environment. And so if it's a cynical one, if it's a fighting one, if it's a strife one, if it's a stress-filled one, we can control the environment. And so today, before we get into all the things that we want God to fill our house with, I just, I just want you to understand, healthy homes don't happen by accident. You have to be intentional to be what you want to see. And so before we jump all into this, I just want us to understand everything that we're going to, we're going to talk about, six things we want God to fill our home with. But before we can go into that, you got to realize I've got to be this if I want to see this. 
So Matthew, Jesus, this is what he says. He says, you are, now watch this, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand, now watch this, where it get, gives light to everyone, what? In the house. There it is. You and I get to give light to everyone in the house. We control the light or the darkness that happens in our home. We get to control this. Now watch what the next, next verse says. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So let's, let's talk about the six things that we want God to, to fill our house with. If you take some notes, write this first one down. We want it to first of all be filled with laughter. Yeah. Come on, somebody. How many know life is too hard? You need to enjoy it. Uh, and, and we say this a lot here at the church, but I think it applies to your home as well. Church should not be a place that you endure. It should be a place you enjoy. And I think your home should be the same way. That home should not just be a place you have to endure. And it's sad, but it's the truth reality that many people actually come to church because they can't wait to get away from home. It's just how it is because home is stressful and home is not a fun place to be. But I think if there's anything we can pray is that God, man, create a place in our home where we like to have fun, where we like to laugh. This is actually scriptural. Uh, Proverbs says it this way. <clears throat> Put the Proverbs up for me real quick, if y'all can. There we go. A cheerful heart brings a what? Smile. Now, you can't say that word and say smile. You can't do that. So let's try it again. And I'm watching you. A cheerful heart brings a? Smile. Good job. Brings a smile to your face, and a sad heart makes it hard to get through the day. How many agree with that one? Yes, a sad heart is, is hard to get through the day. So this is what Proverbs is telling us. Listen, have joy, have life, have cheerful, be, have fun, have a smile. Just having fun helps you get through the day a little bit better. How many know having fun will let you get through a hard day? Just laugh. Be able to laugh. Just laugh at your kids and laugh at yourself. Just laugh. Have fun. So speaking of laughing, laughing, laughing at ourselves and laughing at ourselves and laughing at each other. True. <laughs> I, I, uh, we love to laugh at our home. We love music at our home. And uh, a couple months ago, uh, Lindsay and I were at the airport and we ran into the guy who uh, played Napoleon Dynamite. Y'all know the guy, Napoleon Dynamite? We ran into him at the, at the airport. Lindsay was like, I think that's Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I'm like, go see if he's got some dots. And... Uh, if you haven't seen it, that's it just went over your head. But anyways, it's the corniest movie ever, but it's absolutely hilarious. We ran into him. So when we got home, we, of course, were like, we've got to watch this movie. And we realized we hadn't parented our kids well because they had never seen it. And so we're like, they, we've got to show y'all a classic. So we showed them Napoleon Dynamite. And if you've ever watched the movie, there's a part in the movie where he's at school and it's kind of like talent show and he plays a song and he dances the worst white boy dance you've ever seen in your life. But also, if your kids are into Fortnite, it's a Fortnite dance. It so, is, actually. Yeah. And so, yeah. thank you for that. You know, That's good. It's good. Culturing. Preach it. it. And so, <laughs> culture. <laughs> You're so cultured. You're so cultured. So, needless to say, a couple weeks ago was uh, first day of school. So, Lindsay and I are driving our boys to school, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to blast some music as we drive into the Hathaway parking lot. And uh, so we recorded it for you. So here's, here's us trying to tell our boys what they need to do. <laughs> what? I think we should jam this song as we pull up to the school. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> 
Sire's trying to roll up the window. Junior's trying to get out of the car. I was about to get out right there in the Hathaway Park. I was going to do it. If you notice, Judah's taking off his seatbelt because he's like bailing ship. Yeah. Thankfully, they were on the road and we really didn't embarrass them close to school. No, we would not do that as parents. (laughs) Wait till tomorrow. So that's, that's a little, you'll notice a lot of our fun in our house always revolves around music. We love music. Um, and so we got a lot of dance parties and different things that goes on. I'm PJ DJ at my house. That's, what, that's, my, that's my, my mixed title. I'm always mixing it up for our family. Um, but one of the things is my youngest son is, has a very, very similar um, face to a very famous um, movie. And so we ended up shooting this a, uh, a little while back during the Christmas time as we watched this movie, and you'll see this. This is, this is some fun at our house, so. to do that. Yeah, he did. So. That, was, that was his own, so you'll notice. All right, the last one is, for those that don't know, my wife is, uh, is a human jukebox. If you don't know this, she knows every song from 70s, 80s, 90s, all growing up. She also, she also is an infamous rapper, if you did not know this. I know she's white on the outside, but she's got soul on the inside, I'm telling you. And so I wanted to show you a little bit of video. She's not rapping, but she is singing, and I want you just to pay attention to how much my boys... Love her singing. So here we go. This is a little I should not be known for my singing abilities. They're not there. So sorry you had to endure that. Oh, God. Serious. No. They, our kids love us. They really do have fun. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of fun. We, we, we could have spent the whole day showing videos, but um, just wanted to share that laughter is such a huge part of, of a family. I think you got to laugh. If you don't laugh together, then, then there's just way too many tears. So, and we want laugh. our kids to enjoy being home in a place. We want it to be a place where they want to be instead of being hating that, you know, you have to leave home. I know when they get older, they have to leave, and that's a part of life, and they should want to leave at some point, but we want them to love that they're there, yeah, and so yeah. for us, laughter is a part right, of that. All right, so let's give you number two. So number two is? Gratitude. 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 God, that's fill our house with gratitude. Very big deal. Many of us have bought into the lie that happiness means more than I currently have. So that's the, that flips to ungratefulness. And so we always are, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough, um, energy. what I need, energy. I don't have every, we don't have enough of everything. And then that brings the scarcity, you know, mindset that I don't have enough, so I have to work harder, do harder. And then that brings in when we're at the opposite of being grateful is just, um, entitlement, entitlement. And then you're going to be, when we're ungrateful, if we're really honest, we're really miserable. And so we're just 
processing life through the lens of lack, what we don't have, and that just, I think that'll show in our attitude and how we live life. And so we want to be people who are, are um, grateful. And actually, um, I was listening to this TED Talk and this lady, she had actually lost um, her leg and I think the other foot, <clears throat> and she was talking about how our brains are naturally hardwired for negativity. So actually, if we want to be positive or, or people who practice gratitude, we have to go against like what our, we really are wanting to do. So it's something we have to practice and something we have to put into practice and actually try to do, and it's not going to come natural for most people for sure. And this is one thing we know that God wants for our life, to be grateful. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says... Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So it's his will that we give thanks. And it doesn't say when things are going great, when life is easy, when everything's happening in the way that it should. It says in all. So that's in the hard times. That's when things aren't going your way. That's when um, everything is wrong. We can still be um, gracious. We can still um, have hearts that are gracious and um, Tell them about Thankful. how that happened this week. So actually a personal example would be, and I'm trying to do that too, um, being mindful of where my thoughts go. And so our uh, first full week of school, and on Friday we had a son that woke up, came in our bedroom right when I was about to, I don't, my alarm had already just gone off and I could hear him coming out. And he's not usually up, I get up a little bit before them. And so he got, he is sick. And so my, you know, normal, a little bit later when I was processing things, my normal reaction would be, great, my plans, you know, you have plans for the day, and now they're different, now they're, it's not going to happen like you want, um, or, oh, great, he's sick, and what that means for my weekend plans, and then I'm thinking, can we even, will I even be able to, you know, speak with Josh on Sunday if we have a sick kid? All the things that I would normally do, I stopped, and I thought, thank you, God, that he made it to the bathroom, and there's my <laughs> throw-up everywhere, so I was just trying to train my brain of, thank you, God, that he isn't, it's not awful. Like, because we want to go, we have to think of kind of like worst case scenario, but think of it positively for us. And so thank you, God, that he is, I don't know, he's here and that I have a child. You know, just any, anything that you can think of instead of constantly going to, great, uh, I hate this, this is messing up my plans, all those things. Well, I think when you get out of those situations that are outside of your control, you got two options. You can either grumble or be grateful. And it's one of the two. And uh, oftentimes the natural default is to grumble um, because we love ourselves and the inconvenience that We're it does for us. And yes. so it's, um, it's a place for us to work through that. And so, but there are a few more things that God really cares more about than gratitude. God loves thank you, which I think for all of us in parent, uh, as parents, come on, how many of you know there's no, no quicker way to your heart than when your kids say, thank you, mom. Yes. Thank you, dad. How many of you know you're like, you're welcome. Who are you? Thank you. Okay. You want ice cream? You want, what else do we, you know, it's like when there's gratitude that's on their lips, how many know you want to do more things for them because they're appreciative and, and versus entitled. Like, like, you know, if you bring them something and then they're, they don't say thank you, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do that again because there's an entitlement that comes with it. Like, like in a sense, like I owe you, but I don't owe you anything. And how many know God doesn't owe us anything either? And yet, when we go to God and say, God, thank you so much, 
uh, every morning just waking up going, God, thank you for this gift. Thank you for breath. Thank you for life. Thank you for uh, entitlement begins where gratitude ends. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. And we can see God more at work in our lives when we are grateful. Um, We can see his presence. We can see what he's doing. We can see that clearer because our hearts are wanting to be grateful for what he's doing, even in the midst of when things aren't great. And that's not the fake, like, my kid's in the hospital and I'm so happy. Like, that's obviously not that because that's not real. There are times for grieving. There are times when you get angry. There are times, you know, there are times for that. But the overall that, thank you, God, that you're with us. If that's all you can say, that you're with us, there's Mm -hmm. always, there can be always be something. So the line with this is your situation doesn't need to improve for your gratitude to increase. Your situation doesn't need to improve for your gratitude to increase. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, this is what he said. He said, we pray for big things and forget to give thanks for the small. Ordinary gifts from God. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? Just realizing that every, every day God's blessed us with so many, so many little things and being vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the huge things there. And that's something we do when we sit down for dinner. We try to do that as much as we can to sit down together as a family. And we do highs and lows of the day. Because if you ask your kid, how was your day? We're usually good is all they say. So if you say, what's your high for the day? Great thing that happened. What's the one not great thing that happened? And then especially now trying to go around and give... Um, Hey, what are you grateful for today? And not just like, my family, God, because we are. No, like, mine the other day was, I'm thankful for coffee. You know, like, even little things that they're God's grace is in our life. (laughs) Just little things. Being able to, teaching them to see the little things, Mm. too. Be Mm. aware of what God's doing. So, number three is unity. God, fill our house with unity. And uh, this is a great verse in Psalms 133, which if you, if, you have, if you have kids, this is a great one to remember. The screen says grace, but three is unity. Yeah, if we can put so, unity on there. Go to unity just, for me. All right, go to the next verse. Um, this is what it says. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. And all Come the on, moms somebody. said amen. You can go ahead and add sisters to that too. Brother, when brothers and sisters live in harmony, how wonderful and pleasant is it. Now watch this though. This is, this is what God says. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. What this means is, is that God blesses unity. He commands a blessing on places that are unified, which is why, by the way, we fight actually for unity in our church, that people have disagreements. We got to work through that because, I mean, we want the blessings of God. The blessings of God come on when we're unified, and there's, if there's, there's nothing more that the enemy would want to do than to try to divide your family. He is so after dividing your family. It would be tragic if our house came down because of a tornado or a flood or anything. That, that would be tragic. What would be more tragic, though, is if my house comes down because of something that happens from the inside, not from the outside. And how many know the enemy is trying to get inside your house as much as he can? And now he's got access into your house through TV and media and tablets. He's got access into your house through what outside relationships that happen. He's got access into our houses through so many different means. And we have alarm systems that guard our house from intruders externally. But what if we were to put some alarm systems that guard our homes internally from intruders? And what I, when I mean unity, I'm not just meaning like fighting, like strife. How many know there's good things that can also divide us? 
like screens. Like our kids are always on a different screen ever in all different places. How I many know that doesn't unify anybody? Everybody's in their own rooms at times throughout the whole day. That, that's not unifying. And so we got to find ways to bring unity back together where we can be together. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody needs time in their own rooms and their, everybody needs space. But, but we can't, at the, at, the, at the convenience of having space, realize that we're getting distant from one another. Like we want to stay together. We want to be unified. Because how many of you know the devil works in isolation? Listen to me very closely. The devil works in isolation. His whole goal is to get your kid isolated from the family so that he can work on your kid while everybody else is doing their own thing. And he's working on your kid in a year, two, three years down the road. And you find out that your kid's been struggling, but you didn't know about it because the devil had him isolated. And this is what he does to us. This is what he does in marriages. This is what he does all over. And in order to have unity, though, you're going to need number four, which is actually grace. Uh, you need grace in order to work through all this. So you want to talk a little bit about grace and yes. why that's important? We, we all need grace in our lives. And in John 1:14, that scripture says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we don't need just one. It's as Jesus had grace and he also had truth. And so, just think about this. Truth without grace is mean, and grace without truth is meaningless. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, <clears throat> if we give our kids truth, which they need, right? They need to be told what God says. They need to be told how they need to act and how things go. But if we don't give them grace when they do mess up, because they will, we will mess, or we can say ourselves, when we mess up, if there isn't grace there, that brings um, shame. That brings, great, I, I can fail and I have to, be, the per, whole perfectionism thing, it's just these traps yeah. that we put on people that we don't know we're doing. And so <clears throat> in our homes, we have to bring, when we bring truth, that we also uh, bring grace with that. And just like the opposite, grace without truth is meaningless. Because if you just give grace with no consequences and you don't speak truth, both ways are not a healthy person or a healthy home. And so we want our homes to be filled with grace. Grace comes first and then truth. And you have to also connect before you can correct. And just like that, like, we don't, we want to discipline or help our kids in the way that God um, d does that to us. Is he firm? Yes. But does he yell at us? No. Does he shame us? No. Yeah. And I'm not getting emotional. I'm just abusing. <laughs> <laughs> Grab some water. It's just, um, thank you. Thank you. I think with, within that, one of the things that she's bringing up, and I, I've shared this story a couple of times. If you're new here to the church, you maybe have never heard this. Um, when my... <laughs> when, when my... I'm joking. When my middle son, uh, a number of years back, he had done something not good. Lindsay was, was at the grocery store, and I had uh, told him, I said, you need to get in your room right now. And uh, I was planning on having to give him a spanking. And, um, and so when Lindsay came home from the grocery store, she said, uh, where's Judah? I said, well, he's in his room. He, you know, I don't know what he did. He did something. And so she went into his room, and she opened the door, and he wasn't in there. And she's like, Where's my son? How I many know it's now my son? It's not our son. It's not where's, <laughs> where's my son? Uh, 
he was in the room. And so, Judah, where are you? Judah, where are you? Nothing. No response. No response. Judah, where are you? No response. Nothing. And so, uh, to fill in the gaps, that day was Halloween. So everybody was around trick-or-treating. So immediately, Lindsay's mind immediately goes to some pervert picked him up. He's in a van in Alabama already. I mean, like, he's already gone. You know, like, he's already taken off. He's like, where did he? Somebody got him. Where did he go? I'm like, I don't know. He was around there. I just told him to go to his room. And, I'm, man, I'm yelling, Judah, where are you? We're in the backyard. No Judah, no in the front yard. Judah, where are you? And she's freaking out. She's about to call 911. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, go look in your room. And I went in my room. And I picked up the, the sheets on my bed, and I looked under my bed, and my son is shaking, and he's crying. And he can't talk. I'm like, Judah, why didn't you say anything? He said, I was scared of you. Talk about make you feel about this big. And I pulled him out. I said, bro, come on. Come here. Come out. And so we got out, and we got on the bed, and he's crying. And now I'm crying because I realized I was using authority and fear and I was using my fatherliness in the wrong way to try to correct my son and it was at that moment this is what God said do you want me to correct you like that and I thought dear God no no I do not want you to correct me like that and it was like a shift now I I haven't been perfect I've yelled at my kids I've still used the shame game I've done a lot of things wrong, but it was in that moment where I just realized, man, I've got I've to start being careful that when my, my kids fail, that I don't just overreact and then push them away from me, but that when they fail, actually, that's when they need me the most. When, when, especially, you know, as your kids probably get into teenage years, how many know when they're getting into teenage years and they really are blowing it, how many know that's when they need mom and dad the most? It's not when they need us the least, it's when they need us the most. And so creating... A grace-filled home where where it says this, we know you're going to make a mistake. You know why? Because mom and dad still make a lot of them. And mom and dad still need Jesus. And we know you're still going to need Jesus. And so we're going to create a home where you're going to get consequences for your mistakes, but it's going to be grace-filled. Like we're going to walk with you through this. We're, we, we, we want what's better for you. Um, we don't want to just try to keep pushing you in. I think that's a lot of what this about being grace-filled is. Because if, you've, if you were raised in a rules-based home, do what I do because I said so. I mean, no, that pushed you probably away from your parents. It didn't draw you in. It wasn't a conversation. It was you just do what, what's being done. So, but if we have a conversation and we don't just go after the behavior, but we go after the heart, mm-hmm. I mean, no, now we get heart change, which actually leads to behavior change. Yeah. So we, we fight for the heart. I think grace fights for the heart. That's what God does with his grace. He gives us grace when we don't deserve it. And Which, modeling that for our kids, that if we do with one another and one another, that they see us repenting to each other. They see us asking forgiveness to them when we have yelled and messed up and that we're, we're modeling what. And also that, like you're saying, room for them to fail. And if they do, that they're not a failure. They've just failed. And so that there's just grace that's not a, um, a license to sin and keep doing that, but that, that's not who they are. They're not a failure. Yeah, so good. Which leads to number five, if you want to write this down, is rest. God, fill our house with rest. Can I get an amen on that mm-hmm. one? Dear God, give us some rest. This is, this is a biblical yes. um, principle in Scripture. Um, we see Jesus, God model this in the beginning, which is in Genesis. Uh, you want to read that, Genesis 2? Sure. By the seventh day, God had finished his work. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. 
And so that word is kind of funny to us because we don't practice that in our culture a lot. That's something God has been definitely working and speaking to me on for a while, and I know he's been doing that in Josh. And so our culture is work, produce, go, don't stop, stay up all night to get done. I know there are seasons to do different things, but as a lifestyle, be live up here, work up here, stay up here. And how y'all, I don't know if y'all know, but I've definitely realized I can't live up here. Like you have to come down from some production from doing things or you will burn out. Um, you, you can't sustain that way. So we, um, if we don't do what God is saying in this, we are saying we know more than God. And we're saying, we know the way he created us, but God, I'm different. I can handle nonstop, but we can't. And we're just lying to ourselves if we think we can. I think the idea with that is if you don't learn to take a break, you will break. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of time. God in Genesis 2 modeled rest, not because he was tired. God does not get tired. God does not... He, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't get tired. So why would he rest? Because he was modeling to you and I what we were supposed to do, which then comes into the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments is honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why was he telling us that? Because he says, if you will work six days and give me one and learn to rest, I'll make more happen in your life in those six days than if you do seven days burning the candle on both ends. It's the principle, listen to me, it's the principle of first. Just like we preach here all the time, the principle of first is if I give my first, God will bless the rest. Whatever's first, God will bless the rest. If I give God 10% of what I bring in, my tithe, he'll bless 90%. If I will give God the first of my week, I'll come to church. How many believe if you come to church on a Sunday, God now can bless the rest of your week, Monday through Saturday. If we give God the first of our day, we give God, we wake up in the morning with gratitude. God, I want to spend time, spend time in his word, spend time with them. How many know, how many know a morning, a short little time with God in the morning can help, can help you get through a hard day? Or different times throughout the day. Or different times throughout the day, maybe not just even in the morning. But the same idea, though, is if we'll give God rest, if we'll give God, we'll, we'll pause and let God replenish us, then God can actually do more in, those, in, in our production than we could if we did it all on our own all the time. Yes, because physical, like not physical, actual research has shown that when people do stop and re refresh and replenish themselves, they are more productive. You are more creative. You are more all of the things that we need and that we're striving for and struggling for and can't grasp onto because we're so tired that if we actually would take the time to rest and replenish and what we would be more creative. We would, we would have more patience, I think. Um, we'd be able to see things differently when we actually stop. And so what is rest actually? Um, rest is not laziness. Rest isn't like checking out or numbing out because that's not re refreshing. Have you ever done like a Netflix day and you're still exhausted at the end of the day? It, you, you're not recharging. So that isn't, rest isn't like a, one definition for everyone. Rest is different for some people. Some people might need a nap. And then our culture also says, if you've ever picked up on that, napping is um, you're lazy, you're weak, you're, you know, whatever. Yes, that become a problem if you do it all the time, every day, and you're not living life. That's a whole nother thing. But our culture is just being aware of what is constantly being put in our, in our head about rest. It can look like 
Um, something you enjoy, working out, gardening, go sit outside, letting God speak to you there, go, going for a hike. You know, Louisiana's great for hiking, but, uh, you know, just being honest. There are a few places. It's just a little too hot. Not that kind of hike. Don't oh, okay, do that yeah. kind of hike, please. Um, silence, especially moms of little kids, asking Ooh. for time asking somebody for, hey, could I just have 30 minutes to just sit alone and just being honest with yourself about what you need. So maybe you don't have a whole day to take a whole day, but at least start a different rhythm of God, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna put a few hours aside weekly, not monthly, God rested on the seventh day and a day might change, but just really changing your lifestyle to rest so he can do more in you through that. And, and was- if you're not resting, you're not healthy. Preach, preach it. If you're not resting, you're not healthy. And I was thinking, I was just thinking, this immediate thought of mine came to this piano over here. One of the things that makes music so beautiful, if you know anything about music, is there's actually rest within music. It's not just dun 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 dun. It's not that. It's dun 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 dun. There's a there's rest in between it, which actually makes it more beautiful because there is, it's not just constant. It's just not constant noise. I think it's this idea of we live in a society that is so saturated with noise and busy and and just overloaded, overloaded choices, overloaded schedules, overloaded activities. We can't say no to anything. We say yes to everything. And this is, as Lindsay said, this has been a process for me. As our church has grown, it's been the hardest thing for me to learn to say no. And uh, Fridays are my days off um, here at the church. And Fridays have now become a Sabbath for me where um, I've had to really grow in this because my days off used to not be days off because on my days off, people would call me or there was a funeral or there was a wedding or there was something that had to go. And I, this is what I had to learn. I, if I say yes to somebody, I'm saying no to somebody else. So when I say yes to you, I'm saying no to you. When I say yes to this, I'm saying no to this. And I don't know about y'all, but I think you want me to be healthy. Yes. Do you? I think you want us to be healthy. How many know a healthy marriage is great for a church and healthy? And so a part of that is learning to turn my phone off and to not be available and to not say yes to everything. And it's hard because I want to. My heart is there and I want to, but sometimes it's saying no to good so I can say yes to great. Yeah, with me here? And saying we can't rest is also saying that like God can't work without us. Oh no, I have to answer this phone call because I'm the only one who can help this person and that's actually like diminishing God. Yeah, God complex. That he, oh, he needs us. He, he, we, he, we, blah, 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 blah. we can't stop because God can't work unless we're working and that's not true because he can that when you do stop and you do take those times off you did see that still worked out god still worked in their life he it puts god in a a big the place that he needs to be in when we rest because we're not all encompassing well the amazing thing is when you turn your phone off and you leave it off and then you turn it back on the words world is still going It's amazing. I don't know how it still is going, but it's still going and things are still working, which leads to number six. And this is the all encompassing one. And and we started um, the this whole series with this. We're going to end this whole series with this. And that is we want God to fill our homes with his presence more than anything. We want God to fill our homes with his presence. Look what Psalms 
says. This is, what, this is what God's word says in Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. And now watch this. In your presence, there's what? There's fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. So this is what I deduct from this verse. That if my house is not filled with joy, peace, love, hope, all the fruits of the Spirit, then my house is also not filled with his presence. Because where his presence is, this is what he brings to the table. How many want this in your home? Fullness of joy. Some people would just say, you know what, our house is empty of joy. It could be that your house is empty of joy because it's empty of Jesus. And if we would put Jesus and his presence back into our home, and that's not to say that if you love Jesus, you never, your, heart, your home's never going to be a hard place or you're not going to have hard things. That's baloney. Uh, you're you're going to go through hard times. Joy, though, is not happiness. See, joy is so much greater than happiness. Joy is I can still trust that God is good even when everything around me is not good. So I can still smile. Got to remind my face to smile. I can still smile, not because the situations around me are perfect, but because what God is doing in me is perfect. Are y'all with me here? So we want God's presence. And I'm gonna tell you the quickest way to get God's presence, two, two ways, of course, that always invite God's presence is worship and prayer. Worship is I get my mind off of myself and I put it on to God. Maybe a good thing is just to put on some worship music in your house and just let it play. You'd be amazed at what God can just change the environment. He just shifts the environment. The other thing is prayer. See, prayer is not letting God know our needs. Prayer is reminding me I'm not God. So prayer is, God, you better change my husband because if you don't, I'm about to change him. That's what prayer is. <laughs> prayer is, God, I need you in this moment. God, I don't know what to do with my teenager. God, I don't know what to do with my parents. God, I don't know what to do with my husband. God, I... God, I need you in this moment. God, only you can change them, but God, would you start here with me? That's prayer. Prayer is us just reminding ourselves that we're not God and we need his intervention in our life if we're gonna do anything that makes a difference in this world. And so, God, I need your presence. I want your presence in this home. I want your presence in this home. I want your presence in this home. Let's be honest. If we don't have God's presence in our home, we don't wanna be home. We need God's presence in our home more than any. And I love what Joshua 24, the last verse says this. Choose for yourself. I love this. Choose. As if God gives us the option. You choose. I choose. We choose for ourselves today whom we're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so I want you to listen to me very closely. If you, if you come here and maybe part of your family's not sitting on the row next to you because they don't want to be here, but you're here, do you know that you can still set the climate of your home? You can choose that your house is going to serve the Lord even if they don't. You can say, I am going to set the climate of this home. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to walk with them through all this. I'm going to choose to serve it because I want you to listen to me very closely. And this is the wrapping up of it all. Choices lead, feelings follow. Too many people are following their feelings and then making choices based off of their feelings. Your feelings will always deceive you. So today, you've got to make the, you've got to make the choice that our house is going, to, is going to honor God. Our house is going to serve God. Our house is going to make God's house a priority. It's going to make God's presence a priority. I'm going to choose that. Even though I don't feel it, I'm going to choose it 
And then I'm going to trust God that he's going to change my feelings. And how many know he does? He changes your feelings and he makes his desires now your desires. And so that's our prayer today. I want you to bow your heads in this place. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. And we're going to pray these six things over our homes today that God would fill our homes with with laughter and with gratitude, with unity, with grace, with rest, with his presence. And Father, that's our prayer. If that's you in this place and you say, man, I, I, I want God to fill that in my, my home, would you just raise your hand? God, would you just fill that in my home? Come on, hands going up all over the place. Father, we just pray. God, I, I join together with Lindsay. And God, we, we pray right now over the homes of this house. God, that these homes would be filled with your presence. God, I pray, Lord, that they would be filled with you. God, I pray, Lord, they'd be filled with joy, with peace, with grace, with gratitude. God, it's not perfect. You're not asking for perfect homes. God, you're just asking for homes that will open the door to you to come and have your way in our homes. God, we open the door of our homes for you to come and have your way. God, Lord, may our homes be honoring to you. God, may our homes welcome you. God, may our homes be filled with you. Lord, we need your grace. We need your grace. Where we fall short, we need your grace. Where we're weak, we need your strength, God. Lord, give us the the wisdom, God, to make right decisions that keep us unified as families. Wisdom when it comes to when to give grace, when to give truth. Give us wisdom, God, on our schedules and, God, what to say yes to, what to say no to. Lord, we need you. We need you. But, God, today we as a church family choose today that on this day our homes will serve the Lord. God, we love you. We thank you. And, Lord, we welcome you into this house. Lord, go with us today as we fill our homes. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.